So, you slept in. We're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get a little more sleep. And if you do need to snooze, we'd much rather you did that in a comfortable place, like your home, rather than our pews. You can always catch up with a sermon later, right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. You'll still miss out on some pretty fun and important stuff, like intergenerational community and the support and encouragement that that brings, inspiring music, and children and children's time. And you, we won't be able to give you any cookies from coffee hour, but we'll give you what we can. I'm Chris Marshall. And I'm Susan Foster. And we are United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts or homiletical harbingers of a new age. We're your average pastors, helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started this podcast so if you're away from home, working, or coaching your kids' soccer team, or maybe just sleeping in, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon we gave on Sunday. So whatever day it is when you're listening to this, whether you are out for a run or running errands or cuddled up at home, we ask that you would receive this with an open mind and an open heart. So a quick note about that open mind thing. We really do want you to have an open mind. We don't expect you to agree with everything we say. And it's okay if you do. It's okay if you don't. Question, discuss, and figure out what you think. But our sincere hope is that you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as God as you consider this. Hey, Susan. Hey, Chris. How are you feeling today? Oh, I could use a nap, but there's no nap today. There's no nap for you today. I uh, I have been running, running, running. Like, Holy Week was running, running, running. And then since then... Been running, running, running. I have been running, running, running. And so I'm, I'm a little wiped myself. And so the sermon this morning was a little bit of a do-it-yourselfer, um, <laughs> which is fine. Uh a peek behind the curtain, sometimes we do these sermons that you really have to construct yourself because as the audience, because we haven't had the time. It got to the point where, and I know I say this stuff on the podcast and you all think like she must be a terrible pastor, but get to the point where by the end of the second worship service, I wasn't sure if my sentences were making sense anymore. <laughs> You're like, like, I am at like, the end of my rope. Did that sentence have both a subject and a verb? And were all of the direct and indirect objects in the right place? Like, it's just one of those days. And so I started off by telling them where I'd been all weekend, which is I was running a women's retreat for Elk Grove United Methodist Church at Tahoe. It was gorgeous and beautiful. Was Uh, it cold? uh, It was a little chilly Saturday afternoon. It got a little choppy on the water. Okay. Which is, of course, the only time we gave them off. (laughs) That's just how it is. But we saw some like gorgeous sunsets, beautiful sunrise. It was wonderful. We weren't the only group using this particular campground. It's a conference center, so there's always lots of things going on. And there were two other women's groups that were happening at the same time Mm -hmm. in the same place, and we were all different. So one of them was sort of an evangelical conference about how to win souls to Jesus. Oh, okay. And I want you to know that that was in quotations. And then... The, another one was a Spanish language women's group. Oh, okay. Which was great because you could hear shout to the Lord coming through the walls in Spanish. And it made me feel like Lori McHugh was there. Aww. It was wonderful. And then the third uh, group was us. And the Elk Grove United Methodist Women are a group of women who have had lots of different kinds of life experience. Some married, some single, some widowed, some divorced. A pretty progressive congregation mm-hmm. in as much as... They welcome everybody. Right. Like everybody is welcome in this place. And I, and I love that about them. But it also means that they don't have a strict theology. There's no creed you have to accept. And their theology is such that they don't think the first priority of being a Christian is to win souls to Jesus because they don't think everybody's going to hell. <laughs> if you think everybody's going to hell, then the most That's compassionate good. thing you can do is win souls to right. Jesus. But they don't they don't think that. And so they, you know, they just have a more open theology than that. And so we were standing in line at, for a meal and all of these three groups are together. 
Mm-hmm. And there's a woman standing in front of me who's part of the evangelical group. And then there's a couple of ladies with our group who's, who are standing right behind me. And the woman in front of me is telling her friends that she just doesn't feel like she has a compelling enough testimony story. Mm-hmm. And she wanted them to help her punch it up a little. <laughs> and the people behind me are right. saying, what does that mean? Yes. And I said, it means what you think it means, which is that they believe that this is the most important thing that they are doing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so she wants to, to hone, make sure she does it well, hone her story. And, uh, and they were just like, that is not our experience. And one of them said, I don't have a testimony story. And I said, yes, you do. Mm-hmm. And she goes, well, but that's not what it's for. And I said, no, it's not. <laughs> but everybody you have a testimony that maybe not be what you're using it for. Yeah. Everybody has spiritual right. experience. And maybe the reason that we don't always recognize it is because we all do that in different ways. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. But as I was looking at the scripture, and as Susan, you and I were talking last week mm-hmm. about Thomas. Because we t- part of our running around was spending, you know, five hours in the car together. Yeah, driving back and forth to this meeting. We were talking about Thomas and and about Thomas's story as, you know, he left this room where everybody is huddled, terrified to go get groceries in the local news. Or something. Or something. And he comes back and everybody talks about how they've had this powerful experience of Jesus and Thomas it feels left out, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. it's not even that he's left out. It's that because he's left out, he can't even, he can't validate or affirm their experience. Right. So because he didn't experience it himself, it's not true. Right. And so eight days later, of course, he's in the room and the same experience happens and he is able to share this experience with them. Right. And in the midst of that, he doesn't get in trouble, Mm-mm. but... Jesus does say, not everybody is going to have this experience, but yeah. we're all going to have to figure out how to live out our faith. Yeah. But not everybody's going to have this experience. And so, you know, Susan, you talked about this is FOMO. This is FOMO. <laughs> hashtag FOMO. I asked my congregation if they knew what hashtag FOMO was and nobody responded. And I asked them if they knew what a hashtag was and they all laughed. And half of them laughed because they thought it was funny that I would think that they wouldn't know what a hashtag was. <laughs> and half of them laughed because they don't know what a hashtag is. <laughs> Um, but different people in the church call it different things. So like my, my admin calls it the pound sign. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's, it's pound rethink church. <laughs> and my, uh, choir director calls it the sharp sign. So oh, okay, yeah. that's the, the sharp sign of music, but a hashtag is sort of a way of categorizing ideas so that you can find everybody else's ideas under that hashtag and hashtag FOMO stands for what? Fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. And our entire social media culture is built on this idea. Right. Of making other people feel like they are missing out on the best thing and feeling like we are missing out on the best thing because somebody else has just Instagrammed an amazing meal or a (laughs) concert that we really wanted to go to comes through on Snapchat from a friend who's standing in the front row or whatever. And so it's all about, is somebody else having more fun than I am having right now someplace else? And do I need to go there? Right. And so for Thomas, he's having spiritual FOMO. Yes. He's he's missed out on this experience. It's not even FOMO, really. It's it's missing out. It's just, He's just missing out. And he doesn't, uh, because he has that thing, like, well, maybe I'm not as, as important to Jesus because right. I didn't have that experience. Well, because our culture is built on FOMO, that can leak into our spiritual lives. And whether it's I don't have a testimony or my testimony doesn't mean as much because it's not the same as somebody else's, or there's really just one way to be a Christian. It creeps into all of us. So we sort of talked about Corinne D. Ware's study on spiritual types. Yep. And you're familiar with these. Yep. Yep. Uh, We've used it. We've used these with leadership before, but uh, we talked about there's, you know, and she's added a couple of types since then, but I'm not going to talk about the couple that she's added recently, which are like profit and one other one. I'm going to talk about um, head types, heart types, mystics, Mm -hmm. and justice types. Yep. 
And that these are sort of four different ways of experiencing the love of God and also expressing the love of God. So, mm-hmm. so we're sort of go through these. So the head types are the people who really seek knowledge of God through almost academic verbiage. Yeah. Like they're the ones who love it when you throw in a Greek word. They love it when you throw in a Greek word. They love it when you give historical context. Mm-hmm. They love it when there's it's a word-heavy service. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of call and response. There's unison prayers that we all say together. There's ritual that involves us reading things together. Mm-hmm. Scripture is a big deal. Something they can think about. Right. Because you can figure out God. Head types That's uh, what tend to on. want a very well-structured worship order. Right. They don't like the, well, we might do it here or we might do it there. They want music that has deep theological meaning, which Mm -hmm. usually means older hymns with lots of words, Mm -hmm. four or five stanzas of theology from the 18th century. Yep. They want the worship service to start and end on on time. time. And their ideal kind of prayer is is really wordy prayer. Mm -hmm. It can be a little poetic, but it has to be analytical almost. There's head types. There's heart types, mm-hmm. and heart types need to have an emotional experience in worship. Yep. And so for heart types... A little tear, a lot of or joy, or... Yeah, sweet stories in the sermon, yeah. prayer that is more spontaneous, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. maybe incorporates the life of the community into it. Yep. So it's more about people. They want a worship order that lasts as long as it needs to, and it can be as spontaneous as you want because it's about the emotional experience, getting that emotional experience. And music for them is not just about the words. It's about the singing of it. It's almost like the physical action of singing is important to them because it, I mean, it really does, it stimulates your brain. It makes you feel healthier. It's a form of exercise, right? So it it creates emotions in us. Endorphins start pumping. And so uh, for heart people... Uh, Worship is a heart experience. So the third type are mystics. Mm -hmm. And these are, this is a word that I didn't realize had some stigma in the Protestant church. Well, because it has, well, is it the Protestant church or is it like in that same bathtub as witches? Oh, I don't know. Uh, If it's like new agey or something. Yeah. So mystics, or you could say contemplatives, Mm -hmm. experience God not as something to be known or something to be felt, but something to be experienced in a more intangible kind of way. Okay. God is mystery, so God can't be described. Right. God is beyond all of our emotions. Mm -hmm. And so um, mystics, an ideal mystic worship service is everybody comes in in silence, sits down in silence, thinks their own thoughts in silence, and then leaves in in silence. silence. And that could be an hour or it could be four hours. So there aren't as many mystics in our congregations. There aren't as many mystics in our congregations. If there's music, it's it's chanting music. It's music that sort of helps you zone out a little bit. Yeah, or it's like without words. Yeah, and prayer is less about having the right words and more about recognizing that God is beyond all of our theology mm-hmm. and therefore we just soak in the presence. Right. We sort of don't, we don't have to have an emotional reaction to that. Right. We don't have to overthink it. it we just sit. It just is. Yeah, and then the fourth type, of course, are the action types. Okay. The people who... The point of worship is to convict them to go back out in the world and do the work. Right. And they really connect most to God when they're serving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, they don't really care about the worship order so much because the important part is ordering yourself to the life of God. Yeah. And so it's really about less about the worship order and more about how do you order your life. Music can be good in that it sort of amps you up to go back out mm-hmm. into the world. Uh, prayer is a statement of our convictions that we are seeking to, to live out in, in the world, world, but everything is about action. Right. Um, you know, these, there are these four types and we're all four, we're all four. Mm-hmm. Like every, every person probably has 
a little at bit least of this. a little bit of all four of them in them. But there's one that feels more comfortable, like the home home base. There's like a home base, and so for my congregation, we sort of said, "Well, which one are you?" And so people raised their hands if they thought they were head or heart, and, right. and then we sort of talked about why we need each other. Um, mm. We need all four types because there's a danger in being limited to just one type of experiencing God, which is right. that you begin to dismiss the other ways of experiencing God, right. sort of like Thomas does. Right. So if you are a head person, you can fall into rationalism where everything has to be make, make sense. Everything has to be known. Mm-hmm. And you forget that God is the mystery beyond everything right. that we know. Uh, if you're a heart person, you can fall into emotionalism. If I don't have this emotional experience, then God is not present and mm-hmm. this is not good. Right. And we know that not all of our emotions are to be trusted. No. <laughs> some of them, some of them we need those, to trust, but. Those often bring us down some scary paths sometimes if yeah. we just go that way. Yeah. Fear, anger, sadness, those mm-hmm. places can be hard. Yeah. Um, and we don't always make great decisions there. Um, so emotionalism can be, can be tricky. If you're just mystical, if you're just contemplative, the, the trouble is that you might become reclusive mm-hmm. and your interior world becomes so vibrant and alive to you that you dismiss the exterior world. Right. I mean, and that's, I mean, I think that may be some of the bad context or yeah. con- connotation with mysticism is that like it happened in these ways that were anti-community. And- right. These people who just like go sit on the top of the mountain and become the wise man, but you have right. to go to them because right. they're not interested in community. And we know that you cannot be a solitary Christian. Nope. And then... Uh, the justice-oriented people become kind of moralistic if they don't have these other ways of checking themselves internally. And so if it just becomes about the exterior world and what should be in the exterior world and what people are are, are not doing to make that happen in the exterior world, you can get a little bit, a little judgy. Yeah. All four of these types need each other because they kind of balance each other out mm-hmm. and they offer each other perspective that doesn't necessarily come naturally right. to each person. So we sort of talked about these these four types, and then we looked at our worship order, mm-hmm. and we said, okay, well, who is our worship or, order oriented towards? Mm-hmm. And recognizing that if we really do value having all these different people in the community, perhaps we need to make some adjustments. We have to make space for that. So I said, you know those moments when I leave a couple minutes of silence and a prayer? I said, I know that some of you That's are- like the worst thing ever. Yeah, start fidgeting, and others are going, why did she stop already? Mm-hmm. Because two minutes isn't long enough. And so I said, you know, we, we can't have all four worship services for an entire hour. We have right. to sort of make space for each other within the worship service we've got. So we sort of talked about like that silence thing. I said, there's a reason why sometimes I pick the sing-songy, <laughs> merry-go-roundy hymns from the 1950s. And yep. there's other times when I pick the 18th century heavy theology Charles Wesley hymns. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's because, you know, different people resonate with different parts of that. So there's a reason why my sermons are sometimes very academic and sometimes they're me telling you stories. Yep. And sometimes they're me saying, where do you experience? Yep. You know, and it's because there's all four types of those people in the congregation. Yep. If you want to know, I'm one of those people who would rather just go sit in the sanctuary in silence for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm the person who's building the service for all for these other times. And then, like I said, the justice people. And we have a fair few justice people in our church. Yep. They don't really care what the worship service is like as long as at the end you give them homework. <laughs> so that's why one of the reasons I give homework every week is because if there's a practical application. Then let's make sure we get it. Yeah, let's get there. Yeah. So, Susan, which one are, do you live in more? I tend to live 
more in the in the head heart range. Mm-hmm. I definitely serve a very heart congregation. Yes, you do. With a little bit of a tinge of the justice seeking. Mm-hmm. And so I push them sometimes into the academic thinking about things in yeah. ways that they don't usually. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's actually fascinating because those are the times when people go, "Oh, Right, like, because sometimes challenging stretch, us yeah. out of our out of our comfortable places is actually where we grow and stretch, and exactly. Um, and so it's fascinating. It's fascinating because I know I know who the heart people are, and I know when I'm getting the heart people, and then yeah, then there's this days so, you know I've got a couple good academic types, and and it's it's fun to it's fun to see the the lights go on or right. uh, on certain folks' faces when certain things go in the right direction. It's funny because music-wise, I have to push if we're going to sing something 18th century. <laughs> yeah, no, if you're going to sing a hymn in your church, you've really got to push hard on right. it. Right, well, and it's got to be something that can go bluegrass. <laughs> okay, well, that's good too. Right, like, because they, they very rarely play, you know, the only only traditional hymn played traditionally is the doxology. The doxology, so. Yeah. The doxology, for those of you not schooled in Methodist terminology, is an interruption in the middle of the worship service to praise God, usually after the offering. Yep. Praise and God. there's sort of a standard yeah, format there's a, for that. There's it's like usually a song. Yeah. Of course, I have only ever served congregations that only have, they, they can only sing their doxology. There, yeah. You there's switch it up, they get too. confused. We, we've switched ours a couple times since I've been here, but I think it's time again. Yeah. No, so I, tried, I, I tried it once in my previous congregation and you would have thought I had killed them. Yeah. Because they were all like, what's happening? I love the one that we sing, but, you know, we've been singing it for a couple yeah. years. I mean, Aaron recognizes Aaron as our organist recognizes the only one we've sung since he's been there so that's okay, been so maybe it's time it's maybe been it's time. time yeah so my church is more heady yeah a lot of professors and you know kind of professional folks who are teachers education managers things like that and so we are pretty heady we have a lot of heart people and we have some action people and then we have a very few, we have a sprinkling of contemplatives. Mm-hmm. And contemplatives usually come because their spouse is a head or heart person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and then they show up when I do things like the contemplative prayer, prayer and stuff like they come, they come to those kinds of things. Yeah. So all of this to recognize that like we all have different gifts uh-huh. in this area. Uh-huh. And we all, so therefore we all have testimony because we have all experienced the love of God in some way. Yep. And our strengths can strengthen each other. And like you said, there's sort of the place where we feel at home and where that really nurtures us. Mm-hmm. And then there's the place that we stretch into. Yep. And both of those things are good too. Um, I think what this does for us is it helps us to appreciate our own way of experiencing God so that we don't feel that FOMO, spiritual yeah. FOMO. Yeah. Well, and like it also recognizing that there are differences helps us understand why we're not perhaps part of a group like that. It's not because we're, we're, we're heathens. Yeah. And we don't believe that God is an important thing, is that that's not our testimony. That's not our experience. Yeah. And there must be a reason. Yeah, not everybody gets struck by lightning while riding their horse outside Damascus. Sorry, Paul. Yeah, some of us aren't going to have that story. Yeah, and, and I sort of think, like, the reason that some of those big stories are in the Bible is because they're rare. Right. Like, most of us don't have that donkey turning around and speaking to us like Balaam or right. angels showing up and... To t- saying you're going to have a baby. Yeah, talking sass like the ones in in Luke and Matthew. No, Uh, most of us have a quieter experience where uh, we turn just a little bit and turn just a little bit and turn just a little bit and notice where God is moving in our lives without it necessarily being sort of a one time a one time off experience. So yeah, so the challenge was just to do those things that feed your soul and to know what those things are, but also to stretch to try something that might be a little different because we want you to be present where you are and not constantly wondering where somebody else is or what somebody else is doing. Or one-upping somebody else's presented experience. Right. And that because when, it might be, have been punched up. 
Yeah, it might, it might have been punched up a little bit. And then it's okay to say, you know, I doubt it. It's okay to be with Thomas and to say, I'm not sure that that's... That's not the thing that would convict me. That's not the thing that would convict me. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm curious about that story. I don't need to judge it, but, but that's not my thing. And that's okay, too. And to accept that the diversity of all these gifts reflects the nature of God. Yeah. That God does move in in lots of different ways, and that's okay. And we need each other. Yeah. And we need each other. Amen. So so that was mine. Wonderful. Well, thanks for listening to this Sunday Morning Sleep-In podcast. If you have questions for us, stories that relate to the topic we've been discussing today, or just want to reach out, shoot us an email at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com. And you can find this podcast on all those platforms for podcasts like Stitcher and iTunes and Google Play, and I'm sure there's a couple more, but... If they're the ones you're using, go look for us. Go for it. You probably already found us there. The scripture for this podcast is John 20, 19 to 20 to 31. The theme music you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. It's traditional at the end of the worship service for the priest to deliver a blessing to the congregation. And as we've been talking about, I give homework. Mm-hmm. Because everything that we talk about in church can be applied in our lives as well. Uh, and affect how we live every hour except 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. So... I don't have any magical words to give you. You have been blessed. The God of all creation has shown up in your life in one of these ways, in your thoughts, in your in your heart, in your emotions, uh, in your contemplation, in your action. God has been present in your life. So the question is, how do you choose to live into your own skin this week? How do you choose to bless others? How will you love? How will you listen? How will you serve? How will you seek justice? Maybe you slept in, but now it's time to wake up and get moving. Amen. Amen. Amen.